Greetings and welcome to the very first episode of Hail to the King, a podcast where we read and discuss the many works of Stephen King. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brady. I'm an avid Stephen King reader. I currently have no career or job worth mentioning, but I am in graduate school for English. So there's that. Uh, my first introduction to Stephen King was through his miniseries It in the 90s, but the first book I read was Christine when I was about 14, 15. Um, yeah, so that's me, and I guess I'll throw it over to technically my left in the top corner, sitting there with a brick wall. Okay, cool, because like none of our screens look the same. We're all stacked on top of each other in mine. Um, well, hello, my name's Paige. I'm married to Brady, in case he failed to mention that, which he did. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. Um, I, don't, I don't know Stephen King. I don't read Stephen King. I don't read. Um, so this is just kind of my husband's way of uh, coaxing me into his world of books. And so far, okay, yeah, um, found audiobooks. So that's, that's what we're going to do here. They're going to read. I'm going to listen in the car, on my way to work, and back. That's it. That's going to be exciting for you because this is probably one of his shorter books. And how long was this one? It was eight hours. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really not that bad if I'm actually consistent because my ride to work is a 30-minute commute. So really, it's like, oh, okay, eight days, like a week, we're done. But of course, I have ADD and I get distracted and I don't always want to listen to my audiobook. So some days we just can't. <laughs> awesome. And who is that? Mm -hmm. I mean, technically below you on my screen, Wait, but oh, okay. <laughs> we have a third co-host. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Yes. Hello, I am Kenneth. Um, I have a master's degree, but I work retail. Um, hey. Since we're sharing. Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> uh, so my introduction to Stephen King had to be the It miniseries. Um, it was also probably, well, outside of Wildthorn, very is also my introduction to Tim Curry. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, this I is, in that. is my first Stephen King novel, so yeah. Wow. But this is my first Stephen King novel, so I'm I'm getting into the um, into the horror genre, and yeah. Awesome! It's exciting. Well, this will be fun. How so? This is your first Stephen King novel, like ever. It's the first. Technically, it's the second one I've started, but the first one I finished. Okay. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, you know, this podcast is really just kind of a glorified book club for us. Um, it could appeal to Stephen King fans, horror fans, mystery fans, book fans. I know most people associate Stephen King as the king of horror, but he does also have a bunch of other books that are detective novels or more thrillers um, that we'll definitely get into. This is going to cover his entire catalog even the short stories, which I think are actually some of his better stories, but we'll find out. Um, so today's topic is Stephen King's 1974 Carrie. So this was my first time reading this book as well. Um, I got to say, you know, I didn't actually like Carrie so much. Before we got here, uh, it was one of the the novels and the adaptations that I kind of stayed away from. I saw bits and pieces of it on TV over the years, like when it would come on AMC Fear Fest, uh, but I didn't actually pay any attention to it. It it made me very uncomfortable 
the scenes of like her covered in blood, which I guess is what it was going for. Um, but yeah, so this was my first time actually diving into it. Um, initial thoughts about it. You know, I, I think it was a very tense read. I felt my body tense at very, very many parts. Um, it was terrifying. Uh, I, although the first part was, I think, slower than it needed to be. Uh, for me, it didn't really start picking up until after Chris and Billy go to the farm and do some dirty deeds there. What about you guys, Kenneth? Yeah, I... Um... Yeah, I guess I have a very similar thoughts. There were a lot of parts as like a woman having once been a 16 year old girl, just feeling very like disconnected, I feel. Um, yeah. And it was definitely very tense. Very, I, I definitely felt like I was uh, identifying with Carrie in a lot of it, which is interesting. Um, yeah, but I feel like very similar. Awesome. Yeah. I yeah. definitely agree. The beginning just made me kind of sad. I mean, that's the point, right? You want to feel mm -hmm. this compassion for her, despite the fact that she destroys lives after. It's fine. They destroyed her life. They deserved it, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, there were many moments where I was in the car and I was just like, I'm sorry, what? Come again? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a lot, especially mm -hmm. the second half of the book after prom night. It gets intense real fast. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree. Um, and I think what I'm going to find a lot too with these is that I've seen most of the movies that his books were made into, all but maybe one or two. So I have that in mind when I'm reading these, which actually I think kind of helps me. But when everything gets adapted into a movie, there's definitely some creative liberties that the directors take. Um, which we'll discuss later on in this. But um, so when I was reading this, it was definitely a lot darker than I thought that the original 1976 movie was. Um, I don't know how, if you guys have a similar experience with seeing the movie before the reading the book, but. No, we just watched it today. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was your first oh, time yeah. watching it. Yeah. That was my first time watching it. Um, and I feel like it doesn't do it justice. Hmm. Yeah, well, we'll definitely get into yeah. that towards the end. But um, let's talk about what we know about Stephen King's process with creating Carrie. Um, I don't know if either of you really know the background of it. Can I see you? I know a little bit because I yeah. like I wrote up some stuff. Um, so I know like some basic, like pretty much. Um, I know that it was originally supposed to be like a short story for a magazine um, and he got like three pages in and threw it away and then his wife Tabitha pulled it out of the, the trash and told him to keep going and then it turned into an entire book and that's why the beginning is dedicated like there's a dedication to Tabby. Yeah good old Tabby. Tabby and mm -hmm. uh, Daddy Steve you know. <laughs> but he um <laughs> Paige's face yeah uh, yeah it's it's really funny they were you know he was teaching high school English at the time and they were living in a trailer park and he actually says that he couldn't pay any bills so they had to have the phone disconnected from their trailer and so when he got news or when the publisher was trying to get a hold of him to say hey like your book's getting published and 
like we want to sign you to a deal he couldn't even answer the phone um and yeah he he threw the original one away because he the original thought came up because he had read a news article about poltergeists and during the investigation of the poltergeists they believed that the teenage girl in the house was the one responsible for all these objects flying around the house and so that kind of planted the seed inside his brain but where the character of Carrie White comes from is actually two girls that he knew growing up that were bullied um, in his in his life and actually ended up committing suicide. Um, I have the article here. He did a couple of interviews that I thought were really interesting. Um, but he talked about one of the girls and said, you know, she was a very peculiar girl who came from a very peculiar family. Her mother wasn't a religious nut like the mother and Carrie. She was a game nut, a sweepstakes nut who subscribed to magazines for people who entered contests. The girl had one change of clothes through the entire school year, and all the other kids made fun of her. I have a very clear memory of the day she came to school with a new outfit she'd bought herself. She was a plain-looking country girl, but she changed the black skirt and white blouse, which was all anybody, anybody had ever seen her in, for a bright-colored checkered blouse with puff sleeves and a skirt that was fashionable at the time and everybody made worse fun of her because nobody wanted to see her change the mold so the other girl too was somebody he was helping the mom move some furniture in her house and was struck by the giant cross she had hanging in her living room and the daughter was 16 and was another quiet loner type at school who nobody talked to because she actually had seizures and because of the way she dressed. Um, like I said, both these girls ended up sadly committing suicide because of what they went through. And Stephen King says that while he was writing Carrie, he was actually haunted by their ghosts um, while he was writing the character. So, you know, we'll find out that Stephen King definitely takes a lot of inspiration from his own life. I mean, you're going to see countless characters who are struggling writers or people who are down on their luck and make a deal with the devil um but i think this one was really impactful when i read about the background in it um because i mean i think carrie white is probably one of the most tragic characters that he's ever written he might not like the book very much um but i i really like the character of carrie white because i think it's something that someone can identify with you know yeah definitely um, let me see here. <laughs> um, he didn't take too terribly long to write this from what I could read. I mean, there are sources that say it took him four to six years or it took him a couple months. Like you said, Kenneth, he wrote this as a short story for the Cavalier magazine, threw it away. Tavi said, no, you're not going to do that. Um, you know, he did an interview in 2014 with the guardian excuse me um and let me pull up the quote here ah <laughs> uh, never mind i lost it anyways he just said that he he felt challenged because somebody came up to him and said you write all of these macho things but you can't write about women and he said, I'm not scared of women. I could write about them if I wanted to. So I got an idea for this story about an incident in the girl's shower room, and the girl would be telekinetic, and the other girls would pelt her with sanitary napkins when she got her period. The period would release the right hormones, and she would rain down destruction on them. I did the shower scene, but I hated it and threw it away. Um, so definitely some interesting background there. What do you guys think? I also hated the shower scene, so. 
Yeah. <laughs> I did too. Um, well, does anybody else want to talk about the development, Kenneth? Um, anything you want to add, Paige? Um, well, I did. I did some like, I got some numbers because um, I saw that when it first, like when he first published it in April 1974, it didn't do well initially. He sold like 13,000 copies in the first year um, when it was a hardback and then it turned into a paperback. And that following year, he immediately sold like a million copies or something crazy like that. And then, of course, now it's like over uh, over 350 million or something. It's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, I uh, I always preferred hardback growing up. I never liked paperback, but as I've gotten older, it's all it's all paperback now. Especially his books. I think the covers are so much better. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Um, well, let's talk about the characters a little bit. So, how do you guys want to do this? Do you want to go characters in order? Do you want to talk about favorite characters versus least favorite characters? What are you thinking? I feel like I'm trying to think of who my favorite character would be. And I feel like it would have to be Carrie. Yeah. Just because I feel... I feel like you can really, like, if you've ever been bullied in your life, you can kind of live vicariously through her near the end. I mean, not like, I mean, to an extent. <laughs> Killing but... all the people at school, yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, you can kind of, like, feel that, like, you know, firing back revenge type, which is, like, a theme throughout the entire book, so. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, I think Carrie is one of his most tragic characters written um, because it is so pertinent to the times we're in like i mean i remember when i was in high school you know i i didn't go to public school but there was a public high school down the street that in like the span of one week they had six or seven football players commit suicide and Jesus. it comes out that i mean there was a little mixture of like cte and their conjecture but it was i mean they found out that they were being bullied for their sexual identities and it, i mean it mm -hmm. was you know backwoods Fauquier county so that's kind of the way things go out there but you know you, you think of these kids that are ostracized and picked on and just because they're quiet or they dress differently or they talk differently and i think that it's just a really strong character and watching her you know go from this meek um submissive personality to her mother and everybody else around her to as it progresses she just keeps growing in strength and as her powers grow or at least her realization of her powers so too does her mm -hmm. attitude towards everybody um what about you Paige what did you think of Carrie yeah I think you've got a good point and it's almost can be metaphorical this is probably a stretch here but everyone possesses some sort of powers right obviously we're not all telekinetic um but we all have yeah. some powers that make us special some strengths that we possess and if you can identify those and use those to your advantage it can definitely change the way that you interact with people and the way that people see you uh or the way that you see yourself in the world around you even better that, that, again, may be a stretch. That sounds a lot more wholesome than <laughs> harnessing your powers to kill your entire high school. Um, yeah. But <laughs> Well, you know, a couple of them got away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so let me ask you guys this. One's not if, at the prom. Yeah, that's true. If well, a couple had, that were. That yeah, got they, the they got out the fire escape. Sue right. survived, right? Yes. Well, I guess she, she, didn't, she, didn't, she didn't go to the prom in the book. That's no. true. Well, um, and to be honest, I think Sue is probably my favorite character. Because okay. I think she has the best character development all the way through the book. And it just, like, mm-hmm. it shows Carrie, even, like, as she's about to die, there is some good in the world. You know? So, so let she me, really... Right. Let me ask you this about Sue, then. So what do you think of her motives for sending Tommy to the prom with Carrie? Like, what do you think of that? Is that her just being nice? Is it her being naive? I mean, I think it's both, right? It's her offering something really personal to her to apologize for everything that she had done, everything that she's seen her gone through, not sticking up for her over the years, like on top of just this whole shower incident. And I think it is some naivety on her part and on Tommy's part to think that nothing bad would have happened. You know, no one would have made fun of them or this could be like her turning into a princess moment. Like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, things just don't change overnight. And and these yeah. of children, especially, um, are not just going to be so forgiving and welcoming um, as I yeah. think they had maybe hoped or intended. Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. quote um, on page 95 of the Anchor Books edition. I think, Kenneth, you have this one, too. But yes, I do. Where Sue is talking to the White Commission, and she says... Or she's talking in her her autobiography that I have told the story before, most notoriously before the White Commission, which received it with incredulity. Well, I don't think I said that right, but whatever. In the wake of 200 deaths and the destruction of an entire town, it is so easy to forget one thing. We were kids. We were kids. We were kids trying to do our best. So and I think that just, for me, that sums up Sue. Like, I've talked to a couple people mm-hmm. that, you know, really don't like that she took the route of sending Tommy there because... Tommy ends up kissing Carrie and it's it's not even so much that but it's all right well aren't you doing more damage to this girl by making her think that this guy really likes her and is taking her to prom I mean of course Sue couldn't have seen what was going to happen with the prom king and queen votes but I mean you're still sending her there and making it seem like Tommy actually has an interest in her right that's like that's what I was thinking as well where it like is like a naivety type situation where she thinks that one this is gonna solve any sort of like ill will against like amongst them yeah and that she's putting her in a situation where she might start thinking that he likes her and then putting her sending her to prom where like the only person who has any sort of kind kindness towards Carrie isn't going because she's her boy and all those other girls who threw their tampons at her. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that it's a bad character flaw of Sue. And I do agree, Paige, like she probably does have the most or the best developmental arc in characters here. Um, or at least she has the most conflict with what happened with Carrie and how she wants to be a better person. Um, I just think that the whole situation with Tommy, even though it does lead to something bad, had Carrie not destroyed prom, 
I think that it would have ended up something else would have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about Tommy, let's talk about Tommy Ross now, Sue Snell's boyfriend, athlete, academic uh, achiever. What do you guys think of him? I'm now feeling like I forgot half the book. I I, <laughs> I remember <laughs> I remember liking him. I remember like you know he was willing to do it for Sue, and then he did end up kind of liking Carrie and showing her a good time and making sure she enjoyed herself. Yeah. Well, and I think that it may have been almost his doing to push her to do something big to apologize to Carrie because when they were talking in the car after it all happened, he was like, you know, this isn't you. This wasn't the Mm -hmm. right thing to do. You should feel bad about it. Um, So I think that he, she was already thinking it, but I think he really did a lot to push her over the edge to say like, okay, yeah, you're right. I really did fuck up and I need to find a way to fix this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think he's definitely probably the purest character in this book. Um, But I think, unfortunately, he's also one of the more forgettable characters. (laughs) What? You think Tommy's forgettable? No, he he is. He definitely is. Yeah. Like, he's he's a great guy. He's her boyfriend. Cool. But, like, I think outside of being, like, the nice guy, he doesn't really play that big a part to me in the remembering of all of it. He's kind of like a pawn in everyone else's game in the book. Well, maybe that goes into uh, his little speech to Carrie before they're announced prom king and queen where he doesn't really care what happens because the only thing that happens to prom king and queens is they get immortalized in high school halls and go on to work nine to five jobs that nobody ever cares about. So mm-hmm. yeah. maybe. Can't I... even remember my prom king and queen. So It was me. I, w- I was the prom king at my school. Oh, I was, was the... like, not at my school. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Brady was the only person in his graduating class. So, yes, he was the prom king and queen. um, Valedictorian. They weren't that progressive. (laughs) I was not the prom queen. (laughs) (laughs) That was organized religion school. Um, There was only a king. There was only a king. There were uh, concubines, you know, like uh, (laughs) King Solomon had. Uh, But anyways, I mean, I like Tommy. I, I do think you're right. And I think, again, it's the movie that's talking more to me than the book. But in the book, he is a little forgettable. He is the the motivating force behind Sue's decision. Um, he doesn't really... But then when she confronts him, he's like, all right, I want you to take Carrie to prom. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> this. And then she's like, oh, so, so you apologize. Right. He's like, I'm not part of this. <laughs> um, but something, you know, just a, about his character, when they're talking about him, you know there's this white commission that is also one of the narrators of the book that's talking about how they're investigating what happened at the prom with Carrie. And one of their arguments was that this was all just orchestrated by Sue and Tommy in combination with Chris and Billy. Mm -hmm. And they were all in cahoots. And, but then they talk about Tommy's character a little bit and they say, you know, he wasn't just a dumb jock who went along with what Sue wanted. 
kind of like how Billy went along with Chris because he just wanted to get in her pants. Um, they say it's true that Ross was an athlete above average ability. His best sport was baseball, and he was a member of the UN varsity squad from his sophomore year. Dick O'Connell, general, general manager of the Boston Red Sox, had indicated that Ross would have been offered a fairly large bonus for signing a contract had he lived. But Ross was also a straight-A student, hardly fitting the dumb jock image. And his parents had both said that he had decided pro baseball would have to wait until he had finished college, where he planned to study for an English degree. His interests included writing poetry, and a poem written six months prior to his death was published in an established little magazine called Everleaf. His surviving classmates also give him high marks, and this is significant. There were only 12 survivors of what has become known as the popular press in the popular press as prom night. Those who were not in attendance were largely the unpopular members of the junior and senior classes. If these outs, quotations, remember Ross as a friendly, good-natured fellow, many referred to him as a hell of a good shit, <laughs> does not <laughs> Professor Jerome's thesis suffer accordingly? I hope that when I die, on my tombstone it says, a hell of a good shit. <laughs> right like there's nothing yeah we should bring life. that back yeah we should bring that yeah, <laughs> Hell of a good saying that. i have issue with much of the phrases <laughs> used throughout this book i don't know if it's a different time. yes maybe well, it's a new england in. thing i just it this, was a lot <laughs> this had a lot of the same like it's the same thing with like the types of bullying i mean like i've been bullied and i've witnessed bullying but there's something about, like, bullying portrayed in movies, in books, for, or, like, media in general from, like, the 70s through the 90s, where I'm like, were people that rough to each other? <laughs> Jesus Christ, it was like a war zone out there. I'm like, damn. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> constantly whenever, because I didn't have the traditional high school experience, whenever on film or I read something about something that happened in a high school, I have to go to Paige and say, oh my god, is this what really happened? Is this what it's like? Is this now, what it's like? <laughs> like, I don't want it to be blown out. Like, I know that High School Musical is not factual. I know that mm -hmm. not every single not. has people jumping up on tables. The the jocks don't get down with the geeks. They don't, they don't do all that. Well, look, <laughs> like ours kind of did. Yeah, so Kenneth and I went to the same high school. That's how we know each mm -hmm. other. Um, yeah. And we were both involved in some way in, like, our theater program. And, like, mm -hmm. I mean, the theater kids are weird. Like, we just yeah. are. And so some of that stuff does happen. And it's embarrassing to think about because I was definitely mm -hmm. one of mm -hmm. those people. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Like, we didn't have – anyway, that was rude. We didn't have the <laughs> traditional stereotypes of, like, oh, the cool kids and the, mm -hmm. the dumb kids and the stoner – like, I mean, we had the stoner kids, but they were also involved yeah. in other sports and, like, our cool I mean, kids were also very intelligent and also played like it was all yeah yeah like our stoners our football players and our like anime nerds were all the same person yes oh. they were <laughs> and a lot of them were also yeah. in marching band <laughs> oh yes hmm. well this throws everything i know off <laughs> well yeah <laughs> um the i will say that my uh my view of traditional American high school experiences can be summed up by the movie She's All That. So, um, if you haven't seen that, I think just because you have to refer to it as traditional American high school experiences, <laughs> we know you have no idea what you're talking about. No. <laughs> that phrasing um, alone. <laughs> but I would also like to think that when I read this, I did not believe that high school girls would throw tampons at a girl getting her period. 
I cannot imagine a situation like I knew some mean girls in high school, but I think I, I think there's like a solidarity that kind of comes with your period. We're like we're not out here throwing tampons at people. No, I think there's also, especially I feel like even back then, because it was when we were still growing up, there's like an embarrassment factor associated with it. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember in middle school when I would have to take a buddy to the bathroom with me. I don't know. Middle school was a weird time. And if I had (laughs) my period, I like didn't want them to hear the rustle of me taking a pad out of my purse. Like, so the fact that they would be so comfortable with it makes yeah. me uncomfortable <laughs> let me ask yeah. you guys this and i don't mean this in a weirdly sexual way but did you <laughs> let me uh, that. did you at your school have open showers no we, well there were no yeah i think did we have showers no we didn't have any they were showers. like so they were oh, like hold uh, on. you did pe and then you something. just went to class right afterwards yeah we had like a, a powder room like we had a wash room type situation but like yeah. you could bring like a wet wipe or a washcloth but you didn't yeah i literally had a no conversation shower. with someone earlier today about how i think pe should always be the end of the day class so Jeez. yeah well yeah. so then do you think so i don't know this this could go either way so i think that bullying has gotten worse as decades have gone on but you said that like the period thing is a, a solidarity thing, but do you think not that, for everybody? I can't right. say I speak for everybody. Right, right. Yeah. Do you this think our experience. that this is a realistic depiction? Because I mean, they were already so open there, like with showers, like in the seventies and eighties, you had these open showers, and you're just walking around right. locker rooms naked. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I still mean, don't think that just like true. showering naked with each other doesn't justify you throwing. Yeah. Tampon set. No. Girls going through a period, but well, like we may have personally never experienced those kinds of things, but you see these types of situations, these extreme bullying situations, happen all over the place. And I mean, you were speaking about it before. So many suicides as a result. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. school shootings, things of that nature. So, like this kind of extreme bullying does happen. It may not. And some of it is still physical, but a lot of it has switched over to cyberbullying or gossip and those kinds of things, rumors. Like, those can be just as hurtful as getting mm-hmm. a tampon thrown at you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So I think it's, it's not far-fetched to believe that this kind of group hazing would have occurred and still right. does occur. I feel like, um, again, from my own experience, like, I feel like in-person group hazing has, like, died down a little bit since, like, 70s and 80s, like, when our parents went to high school, but um, definitely, like, online, that's when you get, like, all, everyone's coming together and hazing one person, like, creating Facebook accounts to, like, make fun of one singular person. Well, what do you you guys got anything else to add about Tommy Ross? The ill-fated good guy? <laughs> I feel yeah. so bad for him. Like he's I, like done oh, out by a bucket. Oh my god. Like I was like, <laughs> is this really happening right now? Like I know we'll get there, but like of all ways. Like that poor I kid. <laughs> I think I just am so... glad I wasn't Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just, the the um 
little snippet about the kid who like grabs the mic that's the part oh. where i was like i could i felt the stress mm. in my body just being like ah like i can't i literally ran inside the house after i got done listening to that on my way home from work and brady was there and i was like um excuse me they all got electrocuted to death and he was like, I well, know. some of them burned. I was like, yeah, <laughs> but they got electrocuted to death. Like, I feel like... Which in my mind is so much worse than, like, for some the reason catching on fire. Yeah, yeah I, I don't, don't know, know why, why but... but it is. <laughs> yeah, I think I would much rather get killed by a bucket to the head than <laughs> being electrocuted or catching on fire, you know? If I had I mean, to choose. Yeah. yeah, but also, I'm dramatic. So maybe uh, stepping on a live wire, you know, like uh, yeah. the drama. Uh, I know. About it. I would not Here's the thing. It sounded terrible. Not only are you being electrocuted, but awful. now you're also burning to death. But it was terrible. But I oh like the I liked the drama of it. Like <laughs> if someone had to <laughs> yeah. write about my death, I'd want it to be theatrical. But in reality, bucket to the head. Yeah, all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well. Let's move on from Tommy Ross and let's talk about, oh my gosh, I'm so ill-prepared here. Do you want to talk about We already talked Chris? about Sue. Do you want to talk about Chris? Is it Harginson? Is that her name? I should already Yeah. Know. Oh my god. I don't remember people's last names. Come on. Yeah. Let's talk yeah, about, it it's, it's Christine Chris Harginson. Yeah. Um, she's a see you next Tuesday. Okay. I have feelings about this chick. Oh, I was like, what is that? He's a what now? A see you next Tuesday? A see you next Tuesday. She's a cunt. It's a cunt. Oh. <laughs> I did the same thing. I was like, what are we talking about next Tuesday? We're not recording next Tuesday. <laughs> this is like, oh, you're, you're hanging out with Chris? <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, there's nothing good about her Mm-mm. at all. Well, okay. Yes, there's nothing good about feel, her. I do feel bad for her near the end. Because mm-hmm. that Billy guy, the real see you next Tuesday. Yes, he was. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like, unfortunately, <laughs> I have, and I'm sure tennis can relate. Brady doesn't possess this quality. I have a lot of empathy in general. Uh, yeah. And so to think about this being a real person like mm-hmm. there has to be some kind of awful home life associated mm. with a lot of this behavior or like seeking out this kind of a man who's going to abuse her like there's some deeper yeah. shit going on with her um so unfortunately i feel bad on that front but everything else i'm like it still doesn't excuse your awful fucking actions yeah yeah I feel like a lot of that could be drawn into because we get that snippet of like her dad where she can kind of get him to do what she wants, just like Billy. And then you see how Billy treats her. So that might be like a little window into how her dad treats her. Yeah. I always thought, I always took that as it being that like that was just like how her dad treated everyone. Cause like the, the whole, part with him coming into the principal's office and threatening to sue the school mm-hmm, which i also yeah. really love that the principal stuck up to him and was like no i don't think so yes oh my god i was like finally yes. i love that i, I was mean, like he needed one up. redeeming quality after calling her cassie or whatever for like the entire time oh, i was like god. Girl, get it together Ugh. oh my god yeah <laughs> i didn't i mean i hate getting called by the wrong name but i thought that he was kind of written as more of a sympathetic character in that like he's like i have so many students here and mm-hmm. i mean carrie's unforgettable she's not the only one <laughs> being bullied right <laughs> carrie's forgettable yeah. i mean yeah 
until she's not, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because well, I'm I, sure being the principal is kind of a political role as well. I can imagine. Administrative, so. Did you guys uh, like your principal growing up? Um, I yeah. don't have any serious memories of the first one, and then my senior year we got a new one, and I didn't like it at all. Yeah, my principal in middle school was great, um, very personable, liked her a lot. Um, and then, yeah, once we got to high school, like, they're fine. They didn't make up any crazy rules. They weren't, like, yeah. they were nice to you in the hallway. You didn't really see much of them. We saw more of our, uh, like, officers. <laughs> yeah, like the security admin yeah. or whatever. Then we did yeah. the actual principal, yeah. Taking people's EpiPens away from them and stuff. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just the rough streets of Potomac. Um, yeah, I mean, I think she, Chris is good to be the um, scapegoat for, or not scapegoat, but she's the representation of bullies, you know? She's mm-hmm. the girl from the rich family who gets is used to getting what she wants, you know, whether it's through the persuasion of her family name or her dad's job or it's persuasion of using her body to get Billy to do what he want what she wants him to do. It's, you know, things come easy to her. Um and mm-hmm. there's that huge divide between her being pretty and popular and Carrie being, you know, I mean King writes her as being very pimple-faced and overweight and ugly and, Mm -hmm. you know, that it's not just that she was a quiet type that Chris just honed in on. It was she was this girl that was almost destined to be bullied by everybody in her life, you know? I just Um, don't understand how we went from I did something awful to someone and then got in trouble for it. So now I'm going to go slaughter some pigs and dump their blood on her. That's literally zero like, to a hundred. What the <laughs> fuck? Like, where did that come from? Yeah, uh, it's uh, what was it? Pig's blood for pigs? You know? No, yeah. that is what that's what Billy said. That's so she Billy never saying, yeah. said that. He thought that to himself and chuckled, and that's when he also was like, "Well, I could dump this on anyone because they're all pigs. Yeah. Like, I could dump it on you. You're a pig." So he just he had a, a whole thing himself but mm-hmm. i just don't understand where in her twisted mind she was like i have a great idea i Pick know slug. but first we have to slaughter them like that's a lot yeah a like commitment. not only i feel like in nowadays that would be like assault and she would have gone to jail i think she would have so been like, too because well, they, they, he was that, talking yeah. about the fingerprints okay. and everything on the bucket yeah yeah because well. he was like this isn't like yeah. Your petty shit anymore. Like, this is next level. This is criminal. Yeah. Well, now that we're talking about him. Well, and then I guess you can also. Sorry. I was no, also yeah. thinking, like, the fact that she had Billy do it. I'm also wondering if there's, like, a level. Because I'm thinking, like, now that I don't think she touched the buckets or anything. So she just had Billy and his friends do it. So then and there was a whole concern about fingerprints, but she, hers wouldn't have been on them. So I'm wondering if she was able to be like, oh, this thing happened to Carrie that's hilarious. But I didn't actually have anything to do with it. It was just my idea. And she could like be like, oh, I didn't do it to her. It just happened to her. Well, she did pull the string. Yeah, she had the rope. At the end. Oh so, so yeah, I... she didn't have to go do the gross part of collecting the blood. But Ew. No, thank you. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Well, let's talk about uh, the pig slayer himself, Billy Nolan. What do you guys think Ew. about Big Bad Billy? What a garbage human. <laughs> Honestly, like he is everything that is wrong with men. 
Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was again. like, there's, there's a moment between him and Chris where I think I had to ask you about it. Did he rape her? Because I couldn't oh, yeah, tell. I, what you yeah, near the end. I told you that it seemed, in my understanding of it, to be rape. Like, even if she may have let herself go into it towards the end, like, it seemed like rape. Yeah, I definitely agree. Because I was like, as I was reading it, I was like, oh my god, is this a rape scene that's in here? And I, I definitely feel like it was probably, it started out, well, I mean, even if it starts out as rape, it's rape. So, but, like, at some point, she was like, oh, no, like, this is what I want. And then she, like, kind of went with it. But I but definitely like, feel like I interpret it as a rape scene. Yeah, it seems like after he had already decided what he wanted to do, then he coerced her into it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Brady? <laughs> <laughs> a man's perspective on the issue i think that they were just both very fucked up people that were very rough with each other and so like it definitely did start like you said Kenneth. like if it starts out as rape it's rape it started out very rapey to me where it was like he was like okay i'm gonna take what i want and get what i want but then i was so confused because she was like oh so this is how you've always wanted it and, and like smirks. smiling at him yeah yeah mm-hmm. and then but then it's like they kept like landing blows on each other so right yeah, like I mean, his back was so scratched up that it hurt to put even a shirt if, on like even if it wasn't yeah rape, definitely like beat the shit out of her and like that's not cool. yeah. yeah and that is not a healthy no way to well, do that nothing. kind of sexual activity nothing about their relationship was <laughs> well, we don't kink shame on this podcast oh absolutely but, i'm not no. shaming a kid no, no, we I'm do just... not kink shame. <laughs> <laughs> but you know just be safe out there you know yeah make sure that your partner can put his shirt back on exactly or if he doesn't want to, that's okay. You just have to discuss that first. Right. Yes. <laughs> there needs to be some like contract drawn Consent. up and there mm-hmm. needs to be a very explicit conversation. Stephen King, in your next book, you need to write some explicit consent there. If they're gonna have yes, rough no. sex, if they're gonna have rough sex, I need them both yeah. to, to have rough sex before they start hitting each other. That's all. So yeah. They need to mm-hmm. say we go fuck. Um, <laughs> there's a little window into our lives. Uh, there's a window into our lives. Um <laughs> That's gross. Oh, okay. Uh, You're gross. You know, again, like I said, with Chris, I, I don't think there was anything redeeming about her, and I think that's just multiplied with Billy. Like, I think not a single scene with yeah. him where I'm Definitely. like, oh, maybe there's something behind him that's like, maybe I shouldn't do this. He's the one that's like, like you said, when he's like, eh, mm-hmm. I don't really even care if like Chris is the one under here. Like, I would pull it. It, would, it might even be funnier to put it on her. Right, yeah. Um, But one little passage from the book that I thought really summed up Billy and it goes back to Chris a little bit is on page 134 it says Billy said nothing but of course or Billy said nothing but of course it was not for Freddie Overlock who was an asshole it was for Chris Harginson just as everything was for Chris and had been since the day she swept down from her lofty college course Olympus and made herself vulnerable to him he would have done murder for her and more so I, I think he was just like wrapped around her finger um Mm -hmm. it's so weird to think that he could have been wrapped around her finger when he's the one who's physically abusing her you know that whole dynamic seems very bizarre and i don't know if it was just that stephen king himself didn't understand the dynamic that he was writing or if it was meant to be that confusing like 
if she was the one controlling the relationship, shouldn't she get him to not hit her? Yeah. Unless she liked it. Mm. And there we go back to, there's something going on at home. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Who knows? Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I think that there was part of her... I mean, I don't mean I don't want to be like you know the one guy on here talking about it, but I think that maybe she, there was part of her that liked or was used to the being treated that way. Like you said, maybe it was at home. Maybe there's parts of her that we don't know about, and so it was just kind of like comfortable for her. Like, yeah, you know, something that my mom used to say, ugh, my mom, about my brother. My brother and I like really hated each other for a while there, and I was so annoyed when he would come up and just like rat me out about something or would always just show up to like make a comment and then my mom was always like oh well he loves you you know any attention is good attention negative attention is good attention and it's mm -hmm. like uh so maybe maybe there was something like that at play with her where yeah all his negative attention did that he got she got to him and that she really did have him wrapped around her finger it's a good point I can't remember, does it say that, like, prior to their very intense sex scene at the end, does it mention him hitting her prior to that? Yeah, when she calls him a dumb shit in the car. He slaps her. Right. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay. Um, okay. One thing I do want to read, and I'm sorry, Paige, you can cover yours if you want, but one thing that really stuck out to me with Billy was, or two things, was when he's killing the pig. No. Oh my god. Yeah. That was awful. Just it says, Here it comes, Billy remarked, and the sledge flashed down. There was a sound that reminded mm. him of the time he and Henry had dropped a pumpkin off Claridge Road overpass, which crossed four ninety five west of town. One of the sows dropped dead with its tongue protruding, eyes still open, potato chip crumbs around its snout. Just to think like a pumpkin being dropped off an overpass. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, we don't, I mean, and then, I don't need to focus on that. You could hear that. I feel yeah. like you could hear that. Yeah. But then after that, it says, pig blood for a pig. Yes, that was good, all right. That was really good. He smiled, and Lou Garson felt a start of surprise and fear. He was not sure he could ever recall ever having seen Billy Nolan smile before. There had not even been rumors. So, like, again, this guy is just pure, I, I don't yeah. know if it's evil, but just bad. Like, I mean, nobody like, could ever think of him smiling. Like... Except it when sounds he like the making of a serial killer. You know what I mean? Like, Honestly, first, the real if it hadn't been the pig, it would have been Chris. Right? Yeah, that's true. Ooh, good point. Oh, man. Well, I think we only really have one, <laughs> Sorry. More, one more big character to go over, and that's Carrie's this mother, White. Margaret mm -hmm. White. I feel a certain way about that woman. I feel familiar with that woman. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah, unfortunately. You had mm -hmm. a very religious upbringing, and like some of the people that you knew, not necessarily your family, but could be very extremist. Yeah, a very fundamentalist. There you go. Yeah, so what do we think of Carrie's mom? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> mental health issues? Like, yeah. she oh, is... Sure. Yeah, like, I... There is having faith, and then there is this extremism, alternate reality, cult-like brainwashing sort of a thing you know so mm -hmm. like my question through the whole thing had always been like where did she come from what was her origin story how did she get to be like this you know what was carrie's grandmother like well it was well that's right. the other thing carrie's they, grandmother was also they mention it oh. oh go ahead yeah go sorry ahead. 
I think I'm lagging here. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, don't they they mention it a little bit? And like, she wasn't like that initially. Like, she didn't grow up in a household like that. Yeah. Yeah. She had grown up in a church, but it was a conservative church. But it didn't really nothing changed until her husband Ralph came into the picture. And then Ralph mm-hmm. was like, "This church isn't conservative enough. We need to like be holier, which is why we need to like never have sex, even though we're married." And like the first sin was um, intercourse, you know. That's mm-hmm. what they said. And um, which you know, if you read the Bible, it wasn't just an apple, you know. It wasn't that they ate an apple; they had sex. That was the sin, and that's what. What? That's what <laughs> Margaret and, and Ralph. Did. Also, oh no, that's wasn't... another book I haven't read. <laughs> and maybe I'm thinking the. I think I maybe... read that. that part. <laughs> maybe I'm thinking the wrong book, but I thought in here too it's talked about says, how like. I don't know. Oh, there was a lag there. There was a really bad lag. What'd you say, Kenneth? Nothing. I oh. <laughs> I said nothing. <laughs> we heard a lot of. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Uh, but was it in this book that they talked about uh, Mrs. White's mom? Was she telekinetic? Oh, they they mentioned. That sounds so familiar. It, but it maybe like not. It does, but I can't Did she talk about like how she would like? the lights like she would laugh and like make the lights flick on and off yeah there was something yeah, yeah. Oh, no no, no that, that was the no oh, that was the, at the end. end yeah the the epilogue which i loved yeah yeah, yeah. i love that <laughs> okay so it wasn't her but yeah i mean margaret white is i mean crazy yeah mm-hmm. 100 crazy um i think i have something here I mean, you're you're talking about child, mental child abuse, and physical child abuse. Like she's locking Carrie mm-hmm. in a closet, in a praying closet, mm-hmm. smacking mm-hmm. her around, dragging her around Getting with her, her yeah. big fat arms. Good for laundry. I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> what? Yeah, you know, <laughs> she sure. like, worked for a laundromat, right? And so she's like, yeah, she had really mm-hmm. big arms because of laundry. And I was like, I don't do my laundry that often, but like, and um, it's not a workout. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um I mean it's just very disturbing like mm-hmm. the mom and I think it was more disturbing for me because like I do know people who like had moms that maybe didn't go as far as hitting them or, or you know calling them sluts because they got a period but like there's some pretty foul stuff that my friends went through growing up that like you know not everybody wants to talk mm-hmm. about coming from that sort of right. fundamentalist perspective. Do you think that she was always mildly in fear of Carrie since the stones? Oh, yeah. Because she let her, Mm -hmm. I mean, even though she didn't want her to go to school, she let her. Even though she didn't want her to go to this summer camp, like, she went, you know? It's... Right. Something Like, she didn't want to push it herself. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I think she was in fear since the beginning like the she she wanted she said she wanted to kill carrie she thought she was like cancer of my nether regions and then when Mm. she came out she was like i wanted to kill you but i couldn't bring myself to do it and then by the time carrie got old enough to like not even realize what her telekinesis was but was able to have that sort of power margaret was just scared and couldn't do anything right and then as soon as the stone like she was going to stab carrie she was gonna cut the evil out and then carrie brought the stones down so it's it's crazy um mm-hmm. 
you know they the and it's all because of the husband and he was known as somebody who like carried a 38 revolver in his bible and it's just like how like how would you do that (laughs) oh i'm sure another odd description like like putting a potato in a sandwich yeah but you've never done that (laughs) (laughs) it's wonderful you have to try it all right well that's like oh i will (laughs) that's pretty much all the characters um anybody want to add anything about. I think we didn't really touch on Mistress Jarden, but she was kind of a, a minuscule. Fuck her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I thought very similarly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like, like even her, even her half-hearted attempt at the end to be like, oh, Carrie, like, he described her thoughts as still being like, ah. Selfish. Well, yeah. sucks yeah. to be her. Like, Yeah, fuck her. Honestly. Like, one, like, we all wanted to slap Chris. Like. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. come on. But you can't do that as a teacher. Even in your first no. year, like, you should know that. And She's a grown woman. Like, yeah. everyone else's excuse can be that they were a kid. Okay, but, like, yeah. you are a grown woman without compassion, without understanding. Like, you're not going to take the time to survey what's going on. You're just going to go in mm-hmm. and slap Carrie because she's hysterical. Like, yeah, she's clear- something's clearly wrong. Yeah, I, I didn't like yeah. her at all. I get that she's supposed to be the person that's, like, helping Carrie, and watching out, like, when Sue and Tommy no. are going to have Tommy take care of she's, like, questioning their motives. Like, cool, that's great. Like, you're doing your job as a teacher and an educator. And <laughs> But, I mean, yeah. other than that, like, you didn't do anything for Carrie. Yeah. No. And really, you just had this vendetta out against all these other kids. So, really, you kind of became, like, an antagonist to them and a bully yeah. to them. So, did like, aren't you – you're punishing them, but in turn, you're making it worse because – She's like trying to, it, I mean, flex her power over them, you know. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that's just because I feel she like was my, a young teacher. Mm, I feel like my theory is that she got bullied when she was in high school, so she's mean to like the popular kids because she sees her tormentors in them. But then she's mean and like eh about Carrie because she sees herself in Carrie, and that is my theory. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, probably. Um. Yeah, I mean, a couple of the other girls, Norma, she's, I guess, one of the only other girls that's talked about a little more than most, and she didn't really stick out much to me. She's just another stuck-up, entitled girl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I liked there was a girl at the prom who, like, started being really nice to Carrie. I can't that remember was her nice. name. Oh, yeah. yeah, she was. And uh, I really enjoyed that. I was like, she's going to have a friend after this. Nope, she's no, going to die. She's not going to have a friend. <laughs> They're all dead. <laughs> They're all dead. Um, and then Billy's crew is just a bunch of goons. And mm-hmm. they're all like, yeah. I, I mean, I think of, I mean, my brother's probably going to listen to this, but I think of my brother's friends when I think of <laughs> <laughs> Billy Nolan's friends. Not that they go around killing oh, pigs. No. no, they don't. But, but they're just like dumb boys doing dumb boys Rolling boy up in trucks, stuff. Jiffy Lube Live. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wearing dumb boys doing them. dumb boy stuff. I thought you said said dem boys. I was like, what? (laughs) Dem boys. He's like, dem boys. (laughs) Well, other than character, so we have characters. What about Mm -hmm. a part of the book that really stuck out to you? You can read an excerpt from it, maybe something that really just struck you, or a couple things. So, for instance, let me pull this up. Something that I wrote a love this sticky note by was uh, uh, when 
write oh, any sticky notes. I didn't either, but I thought it would be weird to put them in my car and be like, oh, I didn't this write any minute. Sticky notes. <laughs> so Tommy's talking about or <laughs> <laughs> Carrie and, and is sitting there talking or thinking about Tommy. And she says, she stood with the wrap package, hugged against her breast and closed her eyes, shutting out the weak glow of the cellar's bare cobweb festooned bulb. Tommy Ross didn't love her. She knew that. This was some strange kind of atonement, and she could understand that and respond to it. She had lain cheek and jowl with the concept of penance she had been old enough to reason. He had said it would be good, that they would see to it. Well, she would see to it. They better not start anything. They just better not. She did not know if her gift had come from the Lord of Light or of Darkness, and now, finally, finding that she did not care which, she was overcome with an almost indescribable relief, as if a huge weight long carrier had slipped from her shoulders. I just thought that was really good. So I think it goes back to, like, she knows that this thing with Tommy isn't going to go anywhere. And she understands that it's Sue's way of trying to get forgiveness. But you better not do anything because I'm not the scared little girl that I used to be. Like, I'm understanding what my power is. And if you push me over that just a little more, you're going to regret it. And they do. I'm going to take a much more immature route here. And I just cannot still get over yes. some of this language, right? And so mm -hmm. now, for the rest of forever, boobs are going to be dirty bags. They just are. Dirty pillows? Dirty pillows. Honestly. That's it. Turning, My dirty yeah. pillows. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Jesus. There was another one. He said, was it nubs? Nubbins? Yeah. <laughs> I did not like the way that King wrote about boobs in this, no, especially, what? especially like the boobs of a 16 year old girl where like, he's talking about like she was feeling herself and becoming aroused. Mm -hmm. I was like, bro, you need to chill out. I yeah. know. Weren't you an English teacher in high school when you wrote this dude? Like, oh, 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 also. Allegedly. I, I feel like Stephen King has never had sex. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Like, I know Stephen King... <laughs> At the King, time he wrote <laughs> literally had children, but he's never had sex. Well, he, I think they're adopted. But, like, all right, so he's talking sense. about Chris and Billy about to pull the rope. And he's mm -hmm. like, when this was over, he was going to have her until every other time she's been had was, like, two pumps with a fag's little finger. He was going on her like a raw cob through butter. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what this you is the main like, talk. I'm going to go on you like a raw cob through butter. Like, what? I mean, I guess like... You guys live in New England now. Nobody says that. know the lingo. I will say they do say hot dog. Oh, no. And I have said hot dog, hot dog my entire life. And Paige has always made fun of me. She's like, it's hot dog. And now wow, that was a great people. impression of me. It was. I know. It. it sounded just was, like you, didn't I it? was in the mirror before this episode, making sure I got it right. Oh, my God. Um... Yeah, I mean, there's just some things in here that I really do like. I mean, I think really anything prom afterwards is just mm -hmm. incredibly terrifying and well-written. Um, right. I really do like when they talk about Tommy's death because I think his was, like we talked about, the most impactful for me because it was like, oh, right. this is actually really sad. Like the one person that I, other than like Kenneth and I were talking about the other day, like all these people who may have showed up to this prom that wasn't at their school. I know, who didn't even know. Like, maybe yeah. it's like, oh, who's this Carrie chick? And then they die, you know? Yeah. Um, but mm -hmm. on page 205, it says, for Tommy Ross, 
Age 18, the end came swiftly and mercifully and almost without pain. He was never even aware that something of importance was happening. There was a clanging, clashing noise that he associated momentarily with, there go the milk buckets, a childhood memory of his uncle Galen's farm, and then with somebody dropped something, the band below him. He caught a glimpse of Josie Vreck looking over his head. What, have I got a halo or something? And then the quarter full bucket of blood struck him. The raised slip along the bottom of the rim struck him on top of the head and, hey, that hurt. He went swiftly down into unconsciousness. He was still sprawled on the stage when the fire originating in the electrical equipment of Josie and the Moonglow spread to the mural of the Venetian boatman and then to the rat warren of old uniforms, books, and papers backstage and overhead. He was dead when the oil tank exploded a half hour later. I just think it's sad. And I like really flock to sad things because it's like, like a really peaceful <laughs> death. So, I mean, even though it's very sad he died, like I'm happy he died that way because I. I think he deserved. He didn't deserve anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, can I say something that A, I found great, and B, I really hated? Go. So first off is I thought it was really impressive that not only has Stephen King written this book, right? He's also, in his mind, created other books. Mm-hmm. Like I Am Sue Snell. He yeah. has created mm. these um trials and the like manuscripts that come from that like there was so much else like he created fake um like peer-reviewed journals and had the citations Mm -hmm. for them even so like that was really impressive to me like the extent to which he went with all of that Um, And then the thing that I really hated was because I had never seen this movie before. I kind of, I mean, it's a very iconic thing. The movie's been remade several times. The book's been out forever. Like everyone knows. So I had an idea of what was going to happen, but I didn't really know. I'd never read it before. There was so much that got ruined for me by King himself telling me what was going to happen before it happened. Like, there were Mm -hmm. so many moments of, like, but that was before his death. Like, he didn't know he was going to die in three minutes. And it's like, well, okay, okay, I guess he's dying in three minutes. Like, and that was before the gas station exploded. Like, okay, well, I guess the gas station's going to explode. Like, I didn't, I, I feel like it was meant to be for some sort of dramatic effect or, like, to keep you hooked in. But really, it just kind of ruined a lot of it for me. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I already knew this was going to happen, so now I'm just reading about the details of it. Mm. What do you think about the foreshadowing, Kenneth? Yeah, I feel like I wrote a note about this somewhere. Um, oh, I'm, like, closing things down that I don't need to close. Don't leave the meeting. <laughs> I'm going to try not to. Um, hmm. I did not write a note down about this, but I, I don't know. I felt, I guess I definitely see where Paige is coming from, but I'm not sure it bothered me as much. Like there were parts of it where he would say something. I'm like, Ooh, that's exciting. And you know, I get to read about it later. And then there were times where I was like, okay, when did that happen? Oh, it's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. I definitely also also love Sorry, the inclusion of like the testimonies and the books and stuff because I love like a good conspiracy theory and like listening to (laughs) other podcasts about like, oh, this girl may have had telekinetic powers and the addition of like literal like um, 
court cases and mm-hmm. newspaper articles made me be like, oh, this could have happened in real life. And I enjoyed right? that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for the foreshadowing, it it works and it doesn't work in some spots. So sometimes I really did like it because it was like, ooh, like that's interesting. Like, I feel like coming to this book, we all knew what was going to happen at the end of Carrie, right? Mm-hmm. No. i really didn't that's the thing like i honestly i knew that like she had telekinesis i knew that something bad happened at the prom that was it i didn't know about the pig's blood i didn't know that she destroyed literally fucking everything i didn't know that she died like i knew nothing coming into it so i feel like maybe that was why i felt like it ruined more for me than it may have for you guys because you already knew some of those things. It wasn't That's a surprise. True. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that where the foreshadowing does work for me is like page 161 is it talks about the prom. So you're in this whole scene where Carrie is finally comfortable there with Tommy. She feels like she's starting to fit in. People are saying, oh, I love your dress. Where'd you get it? She's like, oh, I made it. Like, like you said, Kenneth, mm-hmm. she has that one girl there. I think it's um, uh, Frida who is Mm -hmm. like actually trying to be like nice and friends with her. And it says when they went in, George was doing impressions of flash Bobby Pickett and mugging. Carrie was telling Frida about her dress and Tommy was grinning hand stuffed in his pockets, spoiled the lines of his dinner jackets who would be telling him, but fuck it. It seemed to be, it seemed to be working so far. It was working fine. He and George Mm -hmm. and Frida had less than two hours to live. Like that just, I hated that. That brings me back to it. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah. Like they're like, it doesn't matter. Like their intentions, like, they have pushed this girl mm-hmm. so far and like something and if you're reading it you know that chris and billy are there so you're like it just reminds you like yeah this isn't gonna last like it's all fleeting mm-hmm. and so i think that the, foreshadowing was good the addition of like those testimonials and things also because they kind of touch on it's all stuff from after the story mm-hmm. so then they kind of you kind of get an idea that that something is bad is going to happen and people are gonna die which is actually one of my favorite foreshadow. I guess it's foreshadowing because, like, so I watched the '76 movie, but like a year ago, so I don't quite remember everything. And I guess I had forgotten, or it wasn't in there. I don't know. But they, the fact that she also destroys the town, like not mm. just like the school and kills her yeah. peers, but she destroys the town. And there was a line that I like really enjoyed where it says they came in pajamas and curlers. They came to see what happened to their town to see if it was indeed lying burned and bleeding. Many of them also came to die, which I loved that line. Like that line gave me like chills. Cause I was like, <gasps> like just the way that it was written. But then also like, I forgot that the town was going to, you know, she pretty much killed shit tons of the townspeople too, who did nothing to her. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely was not in the movie. Cause we had just watched that previously today. And I mm-hmm. felt like the movie was way less terrifying than the book was. It really did mm-hmm. not do it justice whatsoever. Um, and I felt like it was all kind of rushed through and like they hit the highlight points and then just like went on with their day, you know? Right. See, I, I think it's one of his best film adaptations. And I think it's also just because there's a lot of shitty ones out there. Um, <laughs> I've only but... seen a handful, so I feel like... I think it captures, like, I don't like, all right, I love Sissy Spacek as Carrie, as we know her, like, in that movie, but I think that Sissy Spacek looks nothing like the way Carrie looked like. In fact, like, she's probably one of the prettiest oh, girls yeah. at the prom at the end. 
like before uh, yeah, all the totally. blood. And that's not what Carrie's supposed to be. Carrie's no. supposed to be this person that Tommy like eventually sees for like her inner beauty. And like actually is like, mm. oh, this Carrie White's a person and like she actually deserves to be treated and loved like the rest of us. And it's not like, oh, she it's not like a, a you know, a she's all that thing where <laughs> they fix her up and put some nice clothes on her, and then it's like, oh, okay, now she's worthy of love. Um right. I thought that other than that though, like I thought Chris and Billy were cast great. Nancy Allen and John Travolta. I thought that Miss Collins, even though, you know, they had to change her name for the movie, like she did a good job of them showing like she wasn't really on the right side of things where she's smacking the students. And, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't remember, she didn't, there's a lot of differences. Like she didn't die in the book. I don't believe. Right. Cause they say afterwards that she resigns. Right. I don't know. I don't remember that, it, it, like, for matter of fact, but in the movie, Carrie, like, flat out kills her, like, intentionally oh, kills yeah. her. In mm. the book, she's running towards her, and she kind of does a little, like, get away from me, and she yeah. runs yeah. into the wall. Her. She breaks her nose. Yeah. yeah so maybe. she doesn't die there. I don't know. I can't remember if she dies in the fire or not. I don't think but... she does. I think she, okay. like, at the end of the epilogue, they talk about how she, like, hands in her resignation so she can never teach again. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, have I? I mean, Paige, I don't want to answer for you, but Kenneth, have you seen the 2002 mm-hmm. Carrie? No, the made-for-TV one. Yeah, it's no. bad. It's really bad. <laughs> like it's it's horrible. And then I even think that now I'm gonna have to watch it. The 2013 one was really bad too. Like I hate that. Oh. I saw it in theaters and I was so upset when I saw it. Oh wow! Because it's yeah. again like. Chloe Grace Mortez, or is that her name? Moretz. Moretz. She like mm-hmm. she's a very beautiful woman, mm. and they decide to make her just like wear flannel and oh. ha- have her hair down and glasses, and all of a sudden she's like the ugly kid at school and mm-hmm. being picked on, and they make her story almost solely about revenge from the beginning. Like she knows the oh. power, and I'm going to make these people hurt. And mm. I think that it's definitely like Carrie's more nuanced than that. It's she doesn't want to unless she gets pushed. Like I want to give them a chance, but I also will. Well, and even them. then, she still didn't want to have to. Yeah. Like she right. still felt bad that her mom was dead at the end. You know, even yeah. when she's dying after all that she had been through with that. Yeah. She's her still mother like, stabbed I didn't want her. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was down to the hilt. Crazy. Oh. The way that she killed her mom, I was like, holy shit. I know. Oh, my God. I will say that one thing I did not like about the way this book is written is how Stephen King writes, like, their inner thoughts. It was so distracting, where it's, like, mid-sentence of what, like, they're doing or describing, like, their thought interjects, and it's always, like, misspelled, and I was like, oh, my God, please stop. You know, I think this is where we might have a difference in the way that we had the book because you're reading it. So you're looking at it on the paper, mm-hmm. right? I'm listening to the audiobook and clearly this woman knows the book inside and out that she's speaking about. So her voice changes slightly when those things happen. And so I feel like it's easier to follow because you can kind of hear the different inflection or tone that her voice right. has. Ooh, you got lucky with that one. Yeah, but I think that it also did me a little bit of a hindrance at the beginning because when we do have these excerpts from these like court cases or books or articles, whatever, 
I didn't understand what was happening at first. (laughs) And so it like took me a couple of those happening in a row for me to be like, oh, okay, this is an excerpt. This is like an introduction to this portion that they're talking about. So by like, you know, the second or third time of it happening, it was like, oh, okay. But I totally had no idea what was happening the first time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, other other than that, I did like the journals and I liked Sue Snell's biography and the White Commission. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really impactful. But yeah, just the inner thoughts, especially them being misspelled, was irritating to me like it took me it took me out of the book and i was like all right this sucks like how do i skim this um but now that we're at the end stephen king is known for writing shitty endings to his books it's something that has followed his career and he gets made fun of and he even makes fun of himself for it so what do you think of the ending of this one Like, are we counting the, the ending? Like, where does the ending begin? <laughs> so let's talk about... I would say that the ending is probably... Uh, when Sue is on her way, like, after Carrie leaves prom. That's probably, for me, the ending. From the time Carrie okay. leaves prom through the rest of the book. And you could say that the epilogue is separate if you want to. Okay. So I did enjoy the, like, what is it part three is with like the wreckage or whatever they called yeah, it yeah, i did yeah. enjoy all of that and like he made um like to rip off a carry like a term that you know oh yeah that yeah, people yeah. are using and then like just the cute little letter where she, like a girl's telling someone about her daughter who's like got telekinetic powers and, yeah yeah and so cute but um yeah i feel like once she left prom it might be because like that was out when I had to take a break from reading it and then I had to jump back into it but I felt very much like I was like okay is it gonna end soon is she are we gonna are we gonna resolve this is this is she gonna what's happening like I felt like it was dragged out a lot I think that it always had direction for me because they had mentioned that she they were like, you know, maybe her intention was always to kill her mom. And I was like, oh, she's going to kill her mom. So I knew yeah. that it wasn't going to, that was another thing. Yeah. Um, right. I knew that it wasn't going to end until she killed her mom. So I was just waiting until, okay, she's got to get back to the house sometime. So mm-hmm. for me, I felt like it had that direction. And then what felt like the ending in my heart um, was when Sue actually found her, you know, the yeah. fact that she could feel her thoughts and sense her and find her and then that moment there where they're sitting together and Carrie is just digging through this actually reminded me of Brady digging through all of the different (laughs) (laughs) like emotions and details of her innermost thoughts and like pulling out these books and reading every page like it was so personal and so intense that like I don't know. I thought it was really beautiful. And I say it reminds me of Brady yeah. because he always says that he has like little boxes in his head of like emotions or memories or whatever. So she, when she describes it as like these books, it's like watching that movie inside out. Like you can read through the chapters of her life and it, it was just really pure. I thought it was a, it was a nice yeah. way to kind of wrap up all of this like 
is the world only evil? Is there good in the world back and forth? And you can see Mm -hmm. like at the end of the day, she made mistakes, but Sue had a pure heart for Carrie. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed that part too. There was like a closure for kind of both of them, but then also like before she dies, Carrie can like see that not everyone around her is out to get her. Like, cause since then she's been like bullied at school and even at home, her mom, and now she knows that there's, like, one person who, like, near the end was looking out for her. Well, and she even thought that herself, like, had no good in her, right? Because her mom mm-hmm. was telling her, this is the work of the devil. You have the devil's magic in you. So right. she may not have even thought that there was any good left in her. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that it was it was a strong ending. And I think for his, especially for his first book, um... I think the ending of Carrie with realizing that she is not evil. Like she has this thing in her that she never fully understood. And she was pushed to this point where she did an evil thing, but she is not evil. And there Mm -hmm. are people out there who are kind, even if they do bad things or they make mistakes because they're kids like Sue and I'm sure Tommy, you know? Um, And I, I didn't feel like it was too rushed. And I, I did feel like it kind of went back and forth a lot when it was talking about the different interviews. I felt like maybe that dragged it out for me a little bit because it was like, you're talking about the one guy who was the drunk coming out of the cell, seeing everything. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it flashes back to somebody else's point of view. Who's like five steps behind them. And it's like, you're hearing the same thing from different perspectives, but I also felt like that slowed the story down a little bit. Oh, see, I liked that. I think it was just because they were saying the same, like they're all seeing the same thing. And that's what he wrote. Right. From different like, places. If I have to hear about this fucking gas station one exactly. more fucking that's time. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and, yes. and that was before the gas station blew up. If I have to hear three more times that the gas station is about to blow up before it actually blows up, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> please just catch on, on fire. Um, yeah. One question I do have about the ending, though, is do you think that Sue was pregnant and miscarried in that moment? Or do you think oh. she just had her period? Because it said that her period was late and she was always on time like an almanac yeah yeah and that she her rapid breathing slowed and slowed caught suddenly as if an authority and suddenly vented itself in one howling cheated scream and she felt the slow course of dark menstrual blood down her thighs i i would say uh i definitely would say it could be a possibility because i forgot that bit about the fact that she might be pregnant and i remember reading that bit about the menstrual blood and i was like this man has never had a period. It does not. I mean, I guess I've never just had, I've never had a heavy flow or something because I was like, it never just like suddenly runs down my leg. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I've like, I've never just been like standing there and suddenly it's like gushing out of my body. But if it was a miscarriage, then maybe it could be heavier. Yeah. I think that I for spooky spookiness, I want to say it was a miscarriage. Right. Because yeah. that's like, whew, all right, bring it back around. Because that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened to her mom the first time, you know? Right. Um, so I think I like it that way. But at the same time, it also brings it back around for her to just like get her period all of a sudden, too. You know, like either I think is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Either Because that's what I initially thought that he was doing was like it started with a period and it ended with a period. Hmm, punctuation either way i'm glad she didn't have to have the dead guy's baby little tommy jr that would have been 
I mean, her life is tragic enough. Like, I know. but to have to then have, whew, heavy, very heavy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I do like the part three where it talks about the town and the aftermath and how like nothing was left except there was the rich part of town that was divided by the trees, but everything else was just like nobody could recover. It was full of moving trucks and for sale signs and right. burnt up town. And it I just think- reminded me a lot of like when you hear about the wildfires out West, there's just some point where you have to just say nothing we can do except try to cut it off from spreading even more, but everything that's gone, it's gone. Like we don't yeah. have the resources, we don't have the manpower. And like, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah. And then the final part, I know Kenneth, you said you liked this too, but it was the, the letter, um, from Amelia Jenks to, I guess, her sister, Sandra Jenks, and talking about her daughter and how she, like, saw her playing with some marbles and making them move up and down on her own. And she's like, oh, you know, they reminded me of Grandma. Do you remember when the law came up that time after Pete and their guns flew out of their hands and Grandma just laughed and laughed? And she used to be able to make her rocker go even when she wasn't in it. It gave me a real bad turn to think on it. I sure hope she doesn't get heart spells like Grammy did, remember? Well, I must go and do a wash, so give my best to Rich and take care to send some pictures when you can. Still, our Annie is awfully pretty, and her eyes are as bright as buttons. I bet she'll be a world beater someday. And I think, like, I took that as, like, Carrie, again, wasn't evil. Like, this this telekinesis mm-hmm. thing is mm-hmm. not an evil thing. Like, her mom was trying to make it. It's a, a, like, Carrie turned out the way she did and killed her mom because of the way her mom treated her. And she killed those people because of how she was treated by those people. And mm-hmm. I mean, Stephen King has another, a book later on called Firestarter about another telekinetic girl. Right. And that's a completely different, well, not completely different because there's still fire in it, but <laughs> you know, it, it just, you're a product of your environment, you know? Yeah. And so it's definitely, it's, I think that's what Carrie speaks for at the end of the day. You don't know what people are yeah. going through. Definitely. But Amen, using sister. your power for good. Yeah, exactly. After finishing the book, would you, how would you rank it? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Would you recommend it to somebody else? I oh, think no. like on a grading scale, like a B plus. I think it was really good, but there were also some things that I was like, I really mm-hmm. don't care for this at all. A B plus. But, okay. Yeah. Oh man, I feel like I have to agree somewhere like high B, low A, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I definitely, I definitely enjoy, there's some like slight little nuances that I feel like you might be able to catch more, like the more, if you read it more than once, I would definitely recommend it to someone, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd give it probably the same ranking. It'd be, a high B, low A, I think that it's definitely a lot better than the movies that we got. Um, and I think, like you said, Kenneth, it, it's the more you read it, like the more you're going to find things that you didn't catch the last time. And you might feel a different, I might feel a different sympathy for Sue the next time I read it, or I might feel less mm-hmm. sympathy for Tommy the next time I read it, or, or whatever it is. And I, I just think that it's a quick, easy read that if anybody is into you know a dramatic thriller over a horror because i mean i don't think it really turns to horror until the prom before that it's just kind of like yeah. a, yeah, a dark true. thriller you know 
there's this but even then like i am not a horror person yeah Mm -hmm. um and so this wasn't that bad like some of it was cringy but it wasn't Mm -hmm. that bad like i wasn't it's not like some of the other stuff that we're going to get into later on in his works that i'm sure i will not be thrilled about reading or hearing about yeah (laughs) yeah you think pillows is the worst of your problems oh no (laughs) i didn't say that was a problem i thought that was hilarious see that's ooh. yeah i'm not particularly looking forward to that because we all saw it and i literally was in the theater with my hands over my eyes peeking through it like i was like Mm -hmm. a no stranger looking out my blinds at like what was going on next door like i could not it's a clown that's what's happening next door is it a clown is it a is it a being from another galaxy i don't even understand as far as you know who knows i don't know yeah well we'll have to get to that when we get to that book but you guys should think of what it would present itself as to you (laughs) what would your deepest fear be don't say it now but I'll give you about six episodes oh, before we get there. Oh, oh man. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, yeah, but I'll have to think about it. Mine would be oh undercooked chicken. Oh, my God, is chicken. that it? <laughs> uncooked chicken. <laughs> uncooked chicken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's it for Carrie. Um, the next book is going to be one of my personal favorites, Salem's Lot which also takes place in Maine, like almost every one of his books. Of course it does. Um, yeah. So, you know, we, yeah. we plan on we plan on doing this once a month. Obviously, holidays are coming up, so things might get extended or pushed back. But, um, you know, if anybody listens to this, hopefully, you know. <laughs> Hello. Send us Hello. some comments and let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. And, you know, if you're a Stephen King fan, what you liked about Carrie. And, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to get an Instagram page up and running soon. And... Just be nice. I'm sensitive. Right. We're both very sensitive. Um, yeah. If you have any mean Don't make comments, me cry. please direct them towards Brady. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. I'll, I'll field them all. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening so much, and we'll see you next time. You can tell him how much you hate me, but... Oh, oh my God. <laughs> what a way to end it. 